0: Amen. Welcome out tonight. I hope uh, hope you've come ready for the communion service afterwards. Uh, but we're going to go ahead and, and preach first here. If you would, grab your Bibles, turn to the book of Job. Job chapter 13. I haven't spent enough time in the book of Job in this church, so I feel we should go back we won't, we won't stay here quite as long, I promise, uh, this time. Uh, maybe just a few minutes, you know. Job chapter 13, a uh, pretty familiar spot, most likely to most, if not all of you, uh, in the room. And uh, you've got Job chapter 13, Job speaking. He started his reply all the way back in chapter 12, but here he is uh, out to chapter 13. We'll pick it up in verse number 13. And he says, "'Hold your peace, let me alone that I may speak, and let come on me what will. Wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in my hand? Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. But I will maintain mine own ways before him, he also shall be my salvation.' for an hypocrite shall not come before him. Now we know the story of Job, and I I believe most of you are at least familiar with who he is. Uh, Job is, of course, a picture of someone, a righteous man, suffering, enduring reproach, enduring uh, some tribulations and some punishments. If you were to go back to chapter 1, we won't read all that for the sake of time, but right, you go back to chapter 1, you look over the life of Job, and uh, he's got seven thousand sheep, three thousand camels, five hundred yoke of oxen, five hundred she asses. He's got seven sons, three daughters, and a very great household. And he loses all that in chapter one. All he loses his servants, except for the few that show up to give him the bad news. He loses all of his cattle. He loses all of his possessions. In fact, he loses his ten children. In one chapter, he loses everything. Everything the world would count as valuable, he loses all of it. You get into chapter 2, and you think, boy, what else could go wrong? And uh, the Lord allows the devil once again to step in, and he gets boils from the crown of his head to the sole of his foot. And he's sitting there in the ashes, scraping his sores with the pot shard that he picked up, and... The dogs are coming and licking his sores, and he's he's a mess. And his wife walks by, and he's lost his good health now, uh, but he's also lost his wife. His wife walks up and says, why don't you just curse God and die? What amazes me is Job may have lost all of his possessions. He may have lost his health. He may have even lost his wife at that point. It's not talked about again. Don't really know what happened. Mrs. Job somewhere, I don't know, I don't know where she went, but she doesn't show up in the book, and I said, what happened to her? I don't know what happened to her. Maybe she spoke as one of the foolish women and the Lord eliminated her and he got a new wife later, I don't know. I have no idea, doesn't tell you, but I know their relationship wasn't real good. curse God and die, there there you go, loving right there, that's love right there, he's in a mess, but you know what he didn't lose? He didn't lose his confidence in who God was, In all this Job sinned not with his lips nor charged God foolishly. He wasn't wasn't dumb enough at that particular moment to go ahead and bring some railing accusation against God like God was doing something wrong, not protecting him. His statement here is, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Tonight I want to preach on every though has its yet. Though he slay me, bad, (laughs) bad, yet will I trust him. Job is willing to set aside the idea that things could go wrong and things could go terrible, but still, I'm going to trust him. I'm going to have faith. I'm going to have confidence that God is still in control no matter what happens in the those. Though all this may befall, I'm still going to trust him. And so tonight we're going to look, I don't know, maybe you're going through some things or maybe you're going to go into some things or maybe you just came out of some things, <laughs> Uh, I guarantee you're in one of those spots, right? We, we, we either just survived the storm and came through it, or we're in the middle of one, or we're about to go back into one. No, it's, it's just how it is. Man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. Uh, trouble isn't new. Trouble's been around, and it's been around, and it's happened to every person on the planet. <laughs> you realize, uh, great statement, I don't remember who said it first, but I've heard it said repeatedly, uh, remember, God had one son without sin, but none without sorrows. Right. Jesus Christ himself was the man of sorrows and acquainted with griefs. Jesus Christ suffered and afflicted. And we go, well, uh, you know, everything's just got to go right for me. Everything's got to go great all the time. Check with Job. Job. <laughs> Job was so righteous of a man, he's making sacrifices for his kids in case they did something wrong so that God wouldn't bring judgment. You talk about a righteous man. He's trying to cover everybody he was related to to make sure that nothing was amiss between him, his God, and his family and God. A good man has everything ripped away. And the world, his friends, all these people come up and they, and they go ahead and they attack him for what have you done wrong and how terrible you must be and how wicked you are. And you, we, trust me, we exhausted the book, amen? Uh, so you already know, if you've been in Sunday school, you knew, all right? But the truth is, Job's not wavered. God could kill me and you know what? He's still my salvation, I'll still trust him. I'll leave it in his hands that God knows what's right. And so tonight, I want you to remember, we can have confidence as we go through our even those. And so let's have a word of prayer, and we'll look, we'll look at just four things tonight. I'll be probably moving pretty quick, four things, and uh, our Lord is amazing, and He is a great God, and you gonna have a lot of confidence in Him. So Father, I thank you for the night. I pray you'd help me, uh, Father, convey these thoughts just the way that you want them, and that I might be able to bring glory and honor to my God and my Savior. Uh, Lord, you are worthy of all praise and you're worthy to have us come before you tonight and worship you and glorify you and lift you up. And I pray that I would be able to do justice to how great of a God that we have and that we can trust and we can be confident that you have everything under control no matter what happens in this life. And Father, once again, we pray you would bless our night tonight. I don't know of anybody here that's never accepted Christ as their Savior, but Lord, you know the hearts, and you know exactly what's needed tonight. So Father, if uh, someone is lost, I pray they'd come to the Savior, and if someone is saved tonight, and maybe they're going through some things, Father, I pray you'd help them to get through those things, and they'd trust you, and they'd understand that you've got it under control. But Father, if it's something we're about to go into, I pray things would be laid up in our memory, that we'd be able to bring them out, and you'd remind us of how great of a God you are, and we would maintain our confidence that no matter what happens, we can trust you. Lord, we pray you'd bless the night in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Look back at look back at Second Samuel, if you would. Second Samuel chapter twenty-three. So we're done. We're done in Job. Okay. So set aside PTSD from that, and uh, go ahead and me. That's okay. Uh, It's okay, we're not going to suffer any longer over there. Uh, 2 Samuel chapter 23. If you can't laugh at yourself, you got issues, all right? 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse number 1, David, of course. uh, Now these be the last words of David. David, the son of Jesse, said, And the man who was raised up on high, the anointed of the God of Jacob, and the sweet psalmist of Israel, said, the Spirit of the Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The God of Israel said, The rock of Israel spake to me. He that ruleth over men must be just, ruling in the fear of God. And he shall be as the light of the morning, when the sun riseth even a morning without clouds, as the tender grass springing out of the earth by clear shining after rain. Although my house be not so with God, yet he hath made me made with me an everlasting covenant. Ordered in all things and sure, for this is all my salvation and all my desire, although he make it not to grow. So <laughs> That's a strange although there in verse number five. You know what David realized? The Lord's telling him, hey, if you're pure and if you're right, if you're just, if you're ruling in the fear of God, then I get to bless you and I get to raise you up. And you know what David knew? He wasn't pure and he wasn't right. David knew he was a sinner. That's how you got Psalm 51, isn't it? He knew he wasn't worthy of what God was bestowing upon him. He understood, hey, I know that I don't deserve what growth I'm about to get. I don't deserve that. He says, although I don't deserve it, yet. Notice what he says there. He says, yet he hath made with me an everlasting covenant. Say, what did he have? He had confidence in God's words. God had made a covenant with David and he gave him the sure mercies of David and he goes ahead and you know what he says? He goes, you know what, David, you made a mistake. You've made many, you've made enough. Guess what? I'm still not going to go ahead and take you out like I ought to. I'll give you my mercy because I promised I would. You say, well, troubles come. Problems are come. I'm not measuring up to what I ought to be. Okay, well, trust in God's word that He is willing to. Go ahead and help you through the trials and the troubles, that He'd never leave you nor forsake you. Some of the things we talked about this morning. Go ahead and stop trusting in what you know to be true in your own mind, in your own thoughts, and in your own process. And stop relying on what the world thinks and that, well, you've lost everything and you must be wicked. God must be judging you and taking everything away. That's Job's friends, right? Though he slay me, go ahead and trust what God says. Go ahead and trust what He had to say about it. Our problem is we don't like to trust God on just what He said. <laughs> well, He said it, way, yeah, but I know, okay, well, that's your problem. <laughs> you know enough of the world's wisdom, and the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And God says, hey, you can trust Me. We all know the passage, right? Proverbs chapter 3, to trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding, and all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct thy paths. We understand if we lean on our own understanding, we're in trouble. And we lean on His. Though though I know I don't measure up, God told me. How many of you think that you're worthy of just walking into heaven without Jesus Christ? Nobody is. (laughs) Nobody's worthy of that. Uh, How many of you feel you're worthy enough to just serve Him? Outside of Jesus Christ and His greatness and what He's. Nope. <laughs> you're not. You're not worthy to be walking to heaven. You're not worthy to serve Him. In fact, the uh, John the Baptist, right? Jesus Christ is walking up. Uh, he's going, "Hey, uh, that's the guy who's shoe latching. I'm not even worthy to loose. I'm not even good enough to unbuckle His shoe for Him." No greater preacher born of a woman than John the Baptist, according to Jesus. That's a pretty credible source for how great John was. And John's answer is, I'm not even worthy to take his shoe off him. You see, David understood who he was. He understood, I'm not that great. But God said it, so I'm going to do it his way. He liked me and that he hath made me king over all of Israel. I don't know why he did it, but he made me king over all Israel. And he looks around and he, he goes, well, I just, I guess the Lord knows what he's doing. I've been reading some, some fun little books. This is a this is a good one. This is Moody's, D.L. Moody illustration book. And I was reading through it. and I've seen some cool things. You can see I've barked some of them. He said, uh, Dr. Arnott one of the greatest scottish divines was in this country before he died his mother died when he was a little boy only 3 weeks old and there was a large family of arnots i suppose they missed the tenderness and love of the mother they got the impression that their father was very stern and rigid and that he had a great many laws and rules one rule was that the children should never climb trees When the neighbor found out that the Arnott children could not climb trees, they began to tell them about the wonderful things they could see from the tops of the trees. Well, tell a boy of 12 years that he mustn't climb a tree, and he will get up that tree some way. And so the Arnott children were all the time teasing their father to let them climb the tree. But the old sire said no. One day he was busy reading his paper, and the boy said, Father is reading his paper. Let's slip down into the lot and climb a tree. One of the little fellows stood on the top of the fence to see what that father did not catch them. When his brother got up on the first branch, he said, what do you see? Why, I don't see anything. Then go higher. You haven't gotten high enough. So up he went higher. And again, the little boy asked, well, what do you see? I don't see anything. Well, you aren't high enough. Go higher. And the little fellow went up as high as he could go, but he slipped. And down he came and broke his leg. Willie said he tried to get him into the house, but he couldn't do it. He had to tell his father all about it. He said he was scared nearly out of his wits. He thought his father would be angry. But his father just threw aside the paper and started for the lot. When he got there, he picked the boy up in his arms and brought him up to the house. Then he sent for the doctor. And Willie said he got a new view of that father. He found out the reason why that father was so stern. He said the moment that boy got hurt, no mother could have been more loving and gentle. My dear friends, there is not one commandment that has been given us which has not been for our highest and best interest. There isn't a commandment that hasn't come from the loving heart of God and what He wants is to have us give up that which is going to mar our happiness in this life and in the life to come. You say, God? What is God? why do I have to listen to what He says? Because the Father knows best. He knows what to keep you out of. He looks at you and he says, don't go that way. <laughs> well, yeah, but so-and-so can go that way. Yeah, but you can't. Well, that doesn't seem fair to me. I know, but I know what's best. Just trust me, it'll hurt you go that way. You are not built the same, and I've got something for you and something for them. And you can't do what they do. And you can't go where they go. Okay, well, why would he do that to me? Because he loves you. And so you need to have confidence in God's word. Well, I don't like what it says. Just trust him. It's confidence that God knows what he's doing. But I'm afraid to go that direction, have confidence that God knows what he's doing. He knows, and his word never returns void. But it will accomplish that which he sent it to do. He's looking to accomplish some things. Could he trust you to accomplish it? Although, although, although I'm not as great and I'm not seeing how great I am, God says, yeah, but I'm going to use you. If you'd trust me, just trust my words. Could you have confidence in God's words? Although it doesn't look so good right now, would you trust that he's got it right in the words? Well, I'm not getting results fast. Just trust what He said. Just keep trusting what He said. To do what? To bring you through. Although, yet He hath made me an everlasting covenant. God's promises have yet to fail. Go ahead and turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 13. 2 Corinthians chapter 13. Job says, though he slay me, yeah, will I trust him. David says, although I'm not worthy, he's still promised. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse number three, he says, since ye seek a proof of Christ speaking in me, Which to you, word, is not weak, but is mighty in you. For though he was crucified through weakness, yet he liveth by the power of God. For we also are weak in him, but we shall live with him by the power of God toward you. Examine yourselves, whether you be in the faith. Prove your own selves. Know ye not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except ye be reprobates. But I trust that ye shall know that we are not reprobates. And the church at Corinth is arguing whether or not Paul is worthy and you know, who he is and all those things, that Christ is in him and that he's you know, amazing or not. And the greatness of who Paul was, and he argued that point uh, a few times, and here he is, and he's going, well, you want proof of it? Uh, the proof is that Jesus Christ, ultimately Jesus Christ, though he were weak, <laughs> though he was crucified through weakness. Verse number four yet he liveth by the power of God. Say, what do you got to have? You got to have confidence in the power of God. Confidence that God's power is enough no matter what the circumstances are. Jesus Christ, the devil thought he gained a victory the day that they crucified Christ. If they had known it, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. They wouldn't have done it. They'd have let him live. They'd have passed on judgment. They'd have decided, no, we're just going to let him keep going because that'll be, at least then we can stop him somehow, maybe. They couldn't figure out that killing him was the best thing for him. He showed off his weakness to a world that he was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. And they didn't see coming. And by the power of God, he'd raise him from the dead. That God can go ahead and make it the devil look like he's got a victory. It looks like the devil's going to win. It looks like he's got, just got all the triumph and everything's great. And God goes, I'll make a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go ahead and use just a little bit of my power here and I'll raise myself from the dead. <laughs> what power does God have that isn't enough for you? The situation that you're in, well, it's beyond hope. It's not beyond hope if you're still breathing. You're still breathing. You still have a God in heaven who's a living God sitting upon a throne who can change and do whatever he needs to do. He has all the power. He can change your circumstances whenever he feels like it. Say, could he? If you'd ask. Would you trust him that he's got the power to do it? Could you have confidence to go, God, I know you could do it. Well, I just, I'm not so sure. He's got enough power to raise himself from the dead. He's got enough power to take care of you. A party of gentlemen of Scotland wanted to get some eggs from a nest on the side of the precipice. And they tried to persuade a poor boy that lived near to go over and get them, saying that they would hold him by a rope. They offered him a good deal of money, but they were strangers to him, and he would not go. They told him they would see no accident happen. They would hold the rope. At last he said, I will go if my father will hold the rope. He trusted his father. A man will not trust strangers. I want to get acquainted with a man before I put my confidence in him. I have known God for 40 years and I have more confidence in him now than I ever had before. It increases every year. That boy goes, boy, I don't know you guys, but I do know my father won't let me fall. Upholden by the word of his power. Could you trust that You may be in dire straits, and though he slay me, yet will I. I'll trust in his power. I'll trust he's got power. You realize Abraham trusted his power? In that he counted God faithful, even that he'd raise Isaac from the dead? You talk about power. He didn't get to see that firsthand. He didn't see anybody raised from the dead firsthand. You know what he thought? Well, God promised it. I'll trust his word, and so i got to trust his power that my son's going to have to come back from a grave because I'll kill him. You talk, about, you talk about confidence. All right, I'm going to go up this mountain right here. And I'm going to kill my son. I'm going to trust what God told me to do. But I also trust that he told me that he was going to give me a seed, and that seed is Isaac, and he told me that in him it's this one right here. So i got to count that he's got enough power to raise him back up from the dead because otherwise he doesn't make any sense. Well, I'll trust him, and I'll trust what he told me so I can trust in his power because he's got it. Would you trust him? Oh, it doesn't look so good. Okay, well, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him? Would you trust him? Would you trust in his words? Would you trust in his power? Look over at Habakkuk. The ever familiar book of Habakkuk. Everybody. And so... The Lord's looking around, and you know what he's, he's doing. He may be testing. He may be going ahead and looking at some things. He may be trying you. He may be going ahead and looking at you. And He may be saying, hey, you know what? Just like Job, are they going to have confidence in me? The nation of Israel over and over and over again, throughout the prophets as well as uh, all the way through in the judges and different times, they would, they would turn away from God, and they would go and get their trust in something else. They'd put their confidence in another nation, in another world, or in another place on the planet. They'd go ahead and they'd trust something else. They'd stop trusting the Lord. They'd stop having confidence that he could deliver or that he could protect them. And they'd go somewhere else and they'd go, well, let me go and check and see if Egypt can save me. Let me go and check and see if Assyria. Let me see if, and they kept messing it all up, right? I mean, how many times do you have to figure out? How many times do you have to go somewhere else with your confidence before you got to go, well, Lord can take care of me? And here he is in Habakkuk chapter 3 and verse number 17. I'm on the wrong page as well. Verse number 17. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, and He will make my feet like hinds' feet, and He will make me to walk upon mine high places to the chief singer on my stringed instruments. Say, what are you going to be confident in? You better be confident in God's care. All the fields are failing, all the crops are failing, the animals are getting slaughtered, everything. There's nothing going on out there in the fields. How are we going to live? Well, you'll live by the strength and the power of the Lord. You'll live because you trust He can take care of you. Consider the lilies of the field, they toil not, neither do they spin. Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. (laughs) Not a sparrow falls from the sky that he doesn't know. The hairs of your head are numbered by him. And you know what he says? If I can do all that, why wouldn't I take care of you? Well, the money's not in the account, and I don't know what, And I mean, the economy's tanked, and it's all, and I mean, we're paying way too much for gas, and we're paying way too much for utilities, and we're paying way too much for, I know. The fields are failing. (laughs) Would you trust him that he can still take care of you? A little child gives a good illustration of faith. Let the wind blow her hat into the river and she does not worry. She knows her mother will get her another. She lives by faith. I read that, I thought, my goodness, how simple and amazing is that? When you're a kid, you don't, you don't think about where your clothes come from. You don't think about where your food comes from. You don't, you don't think about anything. You're not worried about whether you're going to eat or not. That's not the normal. The normal is very simply, get me that. My needs are taken care of because I have a father and a mother. I have someone to take care of those things. I don't even think about those things. And the Lord says, you've got a great father. And when thy father and thy mother forsake thee, the Lord takes you up. And you know what? Why are you so worried about all those things? Just be like a little child. I'll take care of it. But you don't know what's going on. Ignorance is bliss sometimes. You say, why? Because you get a lot of sorrow when you get more knowledge. Why is is it so great for a child? It's so great for the child because they don't have to worry about those things. And the Lord knoweth you have need of those things. Then you don't have to worry. You can have confidence that he's going to go ahead and meet all your need but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. We know the promise. God's word tells us the promise. We know the power is going to be through Jesus Christ. We understand he's going to bring the power and he's going to be able to fulfill. Can we trust he actually cares enough about you to go ahead and do it? So many times, you know what you find? You find people who will go, well, I know they'll answer so-and-so's prayer, but he didn't really, you know, I don't know, he would really take care of me. Why wouldn't he? I'm no more his child than you are. If you're saved and you've trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's your father. And why wouldn't he be? You think he's a he's a deadbeat dad and taking care of his kid? If you're his kid, he's taking care of you. He's not unjust. He's not unrighteous. He's not failing to go ahead and take care of his kids. He says, hey, I'm not going to let my kids beg bread. I take care of my kids. That's the Lord's answer. The Lord's answer is, I take care of my kids. And so you know what? He never falls short of taking care of us. It doesn't look so good. That's okay. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Could you trust that he cares about you? And that He'd meet your need tonight? 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. Last one. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse number 13. Paul says, We have the same spirit of faith, according as it is written, I believed, and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise us raise up us also by Jesus, and shall present us with you. For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. For which cause we faint not, but though our inward man perish, our outward man perish, I'm sorry, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not on the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. You know what he says? He says hey our outward man's perishing. As soon as we're born we start dying. (laughs) The time has begun. Click. (laughs) Say when's our appointment with death? I don't know. But you've got an appointment. It's appointed on the man once to die. And after this the judgment. And the outward man is going to perish. But the inward man Yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Would you have confidence that God will renew? God's renewing wants to come. He wants to strengthen the inner man. Yeah, but that outward man, he's failing. He doesn't want to do what he wants to, you know, and he's just, okay. But the inward man, isn't that the one that's supposed to be renewed day by day? New vitality of a spiritual walk. And that way as your outward man is failing more and more, the inward man is stronger and stronger. And the outward man, he can just keep failing. That's fine. He can just fall apart and the Lord will just replace him. <laughs> One day, that's what he's going to do, isn't he? He's going to take that corruptible, that mortal, and he'll go ahead and put on incorruptible and immortality. He'll exchange out the failing body for the incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away body. That's what he'll do. But would your inward man be willing to be renewed every day? The light affliction that we suffer could work for us a far more eternal weight of glory if if we'd be willing to have confidence that He wants to renew us and give us the strength the Lord asks you to do things and the troubles come and the problems come and we understand that and the, the things just don't go quite the way we want them and uh, people get discouraged and they get downtrodden and they're feeling depressed and they're feeling all those things and that's normal. When, when failures come, depression comes. Feeling down and discouraged comes. That's normal. If you don't feel that way, kind of more worried about that than if you're feeling down and discouraged after you've had a failure the other one's apathy you just don't care that you failed what's great is when you do care that you failed you don't want to continue to fail would you be able to say well i failed today but boy lord i'd like to try again would you give me some strength for tomorrow would you give me some more strength i need some more strength well, i wasn't strong enough yesterday and i failed you would you renew my could you could you believe that god would renew your inner man once again strengthen you again give you the power that you need give you the words that you need give you the care that you need so that you can go on isn't that what he did to elijah Elijah gets there, he's at Mount Carmel, he puts on the greatest showing that anybody's probably ever seen, calling fire down from heaven and then killing the 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the groves down by the river, goes back up and goes ahead and calls down rain upon the uh, entire, and ends a three and a half year drought. I mean, you talk about a high moment, and then he gets a letter from a woman, (laughs) Jezebel, you're going to die just like you killed all my prophets. And he runs away discouraged and afraid. And he gets underneath the juniper tree and he's going to die. And the Lord says, eat this. I'll feed you. Great type of the word of God. Drink this. Take this. And you know what he says? Okay, now let's go. The sad truth is Elijah didn't get the message. He stayed discouraged and he stayed depressed and so he stayed in the cave. And when the Lord finally got him out of there, he replaced him with Elisha. I don't think that was the Lord's plan. I I don't think he wanted to be done with Elijah. I don't think you come down off of Mount Carmel and have the greatest victory that you've ever seen. And then the Lord says, okay, well, we're done now. I think it was Elijah's choice to be done. He wanted to stay discouraged and not allow the Lord to renew him the way that he could have. The sad truth is, Christian, you can go, well, you know, I got confidence in God's word and he's leading and I know he's he's got it and he can do anything and I know he's got the power to do anything and I know he can take care of me and he can supply all my need. But then the devil steps in and he says, why would he do that for you? Why would he renew you? One of the happiest men I ever knew was a man in Dundee, Scotland, who had fallen and broken his back when he was, about, when he was a boy of 15. He had lain on his bed for about 40 years and could not be moved without a good deal of pain probably not a day had passed in all those years without without acute suffering but after but day after day the grace of god had been granted to him and when i was in his chamber it seemed as if i was nearer heaven as i could get to earth i can imagine that when the angels passed over dundee they had to stop there to get refreshed When I saw him, I thought he must be beyond the reach of the tempter. And I asked him, doesn't Satan ever tempt you to doubt God and to think that he is a hard master? Oh, yes, he said. (laughs) He does try to tempt me. I lie here and see my old schoolmates driving along in their carriages. And Satan says, if God is so good, why does he keep you here all these years? You might have been a rich man riding in your own carriage. Then I see a man who was young when I was walking. Uh, When I was, walk by in perfect health and Satan whispers, if God loved you, couldn't he have kept you from breaking your back? What do you do when Satan tempts you? Ah, I just take him to Calvary and I show him Christ. And I point out those wounds in his hands, his feet and his side and say, doesn't he love me? And the fact is, he got such a scare 1,800 years ago that he cannot stand it and he leaves me every time. That bedridden saint had not much trouble with doubt. He was too full of the grace of God. So, well, God doesn't care about me. Well, why would God do that for me? Why should I have confidence in him? I mean, why would he want to renew somebody like me? Because of his promises to you. Don't forget his word. Have confidence. God wants to do something amazing if you'd be willing to let him. It's his power and his strength. Have confidence. He has the power to get you through the troubles you're in and pick you back up and raise you because he does care about you. You can have confidence that God cares and he is willing to go ahead and take care of the needs that you have because he wants to renew you and give you strength so that you can be mounting up with eagle's wings so you can walk and not be weary and run and not faint so you can finish your course with joy every though has its yet and though he slay me yet will I trust in him would you be willing to have that confidence the troubles come and the trials come we get it man's born on we have trouble (laughs) But could you push the devil aside for a moment and help him to forget about the fact that you even happened? (laughs) And go, Lord, I don't need to listen to him. I have confidence that you have everything under control. And I may not have victory today, but I know you can give me victory. And you can help me move forward. Because you care about me, and you love me, and your power is strong enough to help me. Would you trust him and have the confidence in him? He wants you to. And the power is available if you take it. Let's go ahead and stand. We're going to go ahead and stand and have an invitation time. Maybe, Maybe it wasn't about the message tonight. Maybe you've got some things on your mind coming with the communion service. And you'd like to just take a moment there about the communion service, or maybe it's just you've been going through some things and your confidence just hadn't been there. You don't feel confident. You don't feel like you're getting victory. You don't feel like you're strong. You don't feel like you, and the Lord's going, though that's going on, you can still trust me. Amen. Maybe you'd come down and just say, Lord, I know, I know it's going bad for me, but I trust you've still got me. You've still got me. Lord, I do pray that you would bless our time together. Help us. Father, to stay close to you and trust you and to lean on you and have confidence and faith that you are a wonderful God and that you will, you will come through even though things are going poorly. Yet, will I trust in him? Help us tonight in Jesus' name, amen.